Hey, hey D&D, D&D fam. fam, I'm Quick. And I'm Lee, and you're listening to Divas, Divas and Duckets. So what is a diva? I think divas get a bad rep, but to me, diva is all about the attitude. As for ducats, it's your finances, your assets, Skrilla, Guap, your coin. We're talking all things with the potential to affect your pockets. And while we're attorneys by trade, we are divas by choice. Divas and Duckets is for edutainment purposes. Y'all, we are not Series 511 <laughs> or 703 professionals. This does not create a financial advisor nope, nope. or attorney-client relationship. The views expressed here are solely our opinions and the opinions of our guests. It's just our opinions, y'all. Okay, Divas, let's talk Duckets. All right. Hey, D&D fam. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. If you are watching, make sure you hit subscribe below so that you know when a new episode is out. And for those of you who are following us um, auditorially, uh, we will be... Too auditorially. <laughs> Sometimes you got to let them know. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, Hot Girl Summer is in full effect, and we are making some moves. Mm-hmm. Divas and Duckets what will we got be... What we got What we got? We are Money Talk, y'all, a radio show station in Virginia. Um, we're featured the third Thursday in June, July, and August. So that is June 17th, um, July 15th, and August 19th. So those latter two dates you can still hit um, if you haven't heard us already. But it's Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. on WGH 1310 AM. If you're not in Virginia, you can go to MoneyTalk1310.com and hear us. Ah, oh, we did it, Joe. We on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome back. What do we have on the docket oh, today? Oh, today we're going to be talking about one of those things, these multiple streams of income, mm-hmm. real estate investing. Yes. I am so, so excited topic. about this topic. And you know, if you watch and tune in, that <laughs> me and Lee do not believe in tackling subjects we do not no. Know about. We bring in those professionals, and mm-hmm. today we are not making an exception to that rule. So we have Kimberly Lazorus Evan here. Right. Say hey to the people, Kim. Hello, everyone. How's it going? It is going good. So Kim hails from Little Rock, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. She attended Benedict College, the University of South Carolina, and received her government degree from Clemson University. Mm-hmm. And from a young age, Kim discovered that her success depended primarily on her ability to make something work. Mm. Kimberly serves as a business coach who helps aspiring entrepreneurs get a substantial head start. She also hosts the Kimberly Lodoris podcast, okay. which sheds light on the rising issues and concerns of real estate investing and investing as a whole. Mm-hmm. Her passion to succeed and help others made her a success when she served on the South Carolina State Realtors Board for four years advocating for more community housing programs in the state of South Carolina. She has received various community service awards and as an entrepreneur wears many hats. She is the proud owner of KB Global Solutions LLC real estate services for 13 years. Mm -hmm. She's a licensed real estate broker for almost 20 years and has been investing in real estate for seven years. She also owns Rehoville Investment LLC and AK Capital Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Kim's desire is to leave a legacy others can remember. She currently resides in Atlanta, Georgia, where she is serving her 12th term 
as the only African-American publicly elected councilwoman in the city. Thank you, Kim, in for Atlanta. joining. I would think there would be more. <laughs> you said what? In Atlanta, I would think there would be more. Right, right. <laughs> Talk about it. She up there. Well, right. I can correct it. That okay. was South Carolina. Okay. okay. It, 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 like, it made more sense, sense right? In Atlanta, there's plethora. a plethora. <laughs> right, right, right. So I'm sorry. So that is in <laughs> South Carolina where she is an elected council. Gotcha. Right. Years there. Yep. So congratulations on that and being reelected time mm-hmm. after time again. I know that has to be. Tiring, yeah. yeah. So. Stressful. <laughs> yes, right, right. On top of all the other things, we just keep piling it on, you know? Yes. So that's, that's what success looks like. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's what legacy and success looks like. So we are here to bring you in to talk about real estate investing. And we like to start off the question with all of our guests, you know, if, as you're a councilwoman and you're in politics and had an undergrad degree in our master's degree in government, how did you get into real estate? Actually, real estate surprisingly started in 1985. Okay. So my mom and dad were looking for a house. We were moving from Little Rock, Arkansas to South Carolina. And they were looking for a house there. I was a young girl, of course. Um, And back then we had books Mm -hmm. that had pictures of the houses in it and the description under the bottom. (laughs) And you flip through the books. Well, if you right. know my mom, she could care less about looking in <laughs> those books. So I took the book from them. And I was like, I'll look, I'll find some. So I found like four houses, mm-hmm. literally as a kid, in the book. And we went and saw two of them. Oh, that's um, really they, cool. Of course, as most people, they don't listen to their realtors. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't buy either one of the houses that I chose. But that's where my love started. And so we met with Mr. Joe. He was a Century 21 broker at the time. And we would go to his office. So back then you had to find your book. Then you make an appointment with the realtor, go to their office. Mm-hmm. So we did like four or five appointments at his office. And I would show him the pictures that I found of the houses. And he was like, you did good. You looked so good. You looked so pictures. So that's really where it started. And then as I grew into adult, my pastor's wife um, got me a job at the credit union. Mm-hmm. I was 16 years old. She thought I was older, but I was 16. <laughs> I only went to school half day at that time, but she got me a job at the credit union. And so I just got interested in the mortgage side mm-hmm. of it. So mm-hmm. That just grew it even more mm-hmm. <clears throat> there. And it just blossomed. As time goes, I kept with it. I've always had a financial mind, entrepreneurship mm-hmm. brain. So um, it just kept going from that point on until we're here today. Right. So that's really how I got started. So. That is really, really cool. I, I like the fact that your parents even trusted you to go look at at least two of the houses, right? right. Yes, yeah, yeah. Really well, like, after, after Mr. Joe said that they I told you, like, she right, did a good job. They had to get some validation. Like, right. Oh, yeah, these, these might work for you. These might work for you. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. so, just want to get into a little and, and feel free to get into it as much as you want. You know, mm-hmm. I think people especially now like it's it's a sexy thing to talk about flipping but there's so many ways you can get into real estate investing right like some people rent homes Mm -hmm. or some people maybe do some refinancing and that funds the next thing so what are some of the varying ways that people can get involved um, or the different ways people can invest in real estate there are so many ways Mm -hmm. Um, you can do mobile home investing 
Mm-hmm. You can do the Airbnb side of investing. You can do tax liens. You can do foreclosures. You can do the retail market, fix, flip and fixing, which is, of course, the popular one because mm-hmm. of all of the TV shows. Yeah. Um, you have your single homes. You have your condos, your duplexes, your multi-living um, quarters where you can go four or less. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do your apartment complexes. I mean, there it goes so far. There are so many more. I mean, you could do um, probate, probate mm-hmm. court. That's an investing revenue mm-hmm. board. Um, then I say Airbnb, flipping, mm-hmm. rental properties. Yeah, you name it. Hotels. I mean, mm-hmm. all of that. So you can get and go into any of those different avenues to venture. You know, to start an investing career. You really have to decide first which way you want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, what is your end goal? Mm-hmm. What are you looking for at the end of it? When I started, I wanted to, you know, honestly, to make more money. Right. So I wanted to start building my nest egg. Mm-hmm. So then as you start and you get into it, then you decide, okay, how do I really want this to be structured where I'm not going to be here forever? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want some baby. I want my nieces to be able to come in, pick right. this up, and, you know move with it and work with it. So then you start adjusting, you know, to your goals, to your end end goal. But initially starting out, you just want to know, you know, where do you want to be? Where do you want to be with the goal? But there's so many different avenues that you can go in when it comes to investing in real estate. Gotcha. And this is going to be a complete segue from the questions that we had asked. Well, you said probate. I was like, hmm, how do, how do you invest in probate? Mm. Yeah, so you have, um, and I don't want to sound morbid, mm-hmm. <laughs> but of course, you know, someone has to pass in right. order for it to be probate. So when the person passed, nine times out of 10, if I'm looking at a property that I find that's a probate case, I'll first thing is pull up the county records, mm-hmm. go in there and see where it's at on the county, find out who the executor is of that estate and call them. Mm-hmm. Um, you try maybe not to call them the day after the person passes, <laughs> right? But you know, or the first couple of days, but you have to be on it, yeah. Especially if you're in a big metropolitan area, there's somebody else that's on it, mm-hmm. and they will call them the same day. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, um, that's the first thing you're gonna do is contact them, say, Hey, what plans do you have with this property? Mm-hmm. Does it have to go through probate? Are you familiar with probate? If you know the steps. To a probate case for your state, mm-hmm. you can be the best friend to that executive. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing is that they hate right. having to deal with the court system, having to deal with the people in the office in the court system. Sometimes those are the meanest people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they're doing their job and they have right. to work in the public, but it's still, you know, a good asset to have a back pocket, get an attorney. Well, in your cases, y'all won't have to have an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> you get an attorney in your pocket. One, you can call up. I mean, I literally have Rolodex mm-hmm. on my phone where I've just contacted them. Hey, what do you do? What do you What type of cases do you handle? What can I contact you for mm-hmm. if I come across this property? Um, I have a good attorney in South Carolina, and I can call him on everything. I literally told him to get licensed for Georgia. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to be able to use him, right? Yeah, in, in other states, but it's it's not hard. You just contact them, find out who they pass, if they have plans on selling the property, or is someone going to keep it. Mm-hmm. I love looking up absentee owner probate cases because mm-hmm. the owner is in a different state mm-hmm. and they pass, and I probably guarantee you, none of their children want that property. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is a lot 
of people don't set their stuff up properly for when they pass. Right. So when they do pass and the house has to go through this long chain of stuff before they can even do anything with it, where it sits for two to three years and they'll be like, yeah, give me $20,000. I'll take it. You just deal with it. Let me know when I need to sign papers. And that has literally happened. Wow. Yeah, that's a, a good stream. I wouldn't tell newbies to start off. Right, this, right. If they're, not, if they're not trying to tackle, yeah. you know, learning all of that. But mm-hmm. it's very, very lucrative. And mm. you mentioned newbies because I wanted to circle back to that because you mentioned a plethora mm-hmm. of options for real estate investing. And so for someone who is newer to the game, what maybe two or three do you think would be not easy because you're still going to have to do research, but what two or three do you think are more manageable for someone just getting started? Okay, I'm going to give you the sauce now, okay? <laughs> so grab your pens, grab your paper, because mm-hmm. this is the good stuff. So if you're new and you're looking to get started in investing, from my standpoint, in my opinion, I would say start with driving for dollars, which I didn't even mention that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so driving for dollars is where you actually get in your car, in your backyard, mm-hmm. and drive around your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. drive around maybe a 10 15 mile radius that may be too far depending on where you live mm-hmm. um and the only thing you're going to do is write down addresses of houses that are vacant houses that look vacant houses that have high grass houses that have the blue tarps on the roofs mm-hmm. look like they're falling down or no one is taking care of it um houses where there's old cars parked in the driveway mm-hmm. but you can tell that those cars haven't moved in years and they're in the primary spot mm-hmm. of the driveway, that's probably a deceased person laying inside of the house oh, or yeah. something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's happened too. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey. So, I mean, you, but you just want to write down the address of them mm-hmm. and then you can come back to your home, your office, wherever, and go to the county records, look up and see who owns that house. And then you find out the name of the person that owns it. You'll find out if they're absentee owner. Absentee owner just means that they don't live in that state. Gotcha. So they have they bought a house in Georgia, but they live in New York. Mm-hmm. They bought a house in Georgia. They live in California. Mm-hmm. So they still have the home here. They may have rented it out at some time. They may have lived there, got married, decided to move, just left the house vacant. Any of those things can be options. But you want to contact the owner and simply ask them, are you interested in selling your home? Mm-hmm. Are you interested? What are your plans with this home? Right. What are you looking to do? I'll tell you. My question is: Are you interested in selling your home? Mm-hmm. But I'm at that point where I'm ready to make you a cash offer. Right. So that in your case, if you're not there, cash offer. What are your plans to do with this home? I just drove past this house and I noticed it was vacant. Is it vacant or are you renting it out? You know, ask them. Usually, no one cusses you out um, or anything <laughs> like that when you ask general questions like that. Mm-hmm. So they'll. You know the information and you start from there and that starts your dialogue from there but literally drive around so you have a list of 20 to 30 homes Mm -hmm. and i guarantee you will be able to start some type of deal or some type of pipeline out of those list of homes that would allow you to start your real estate investing business so that would be my first one for newbies that's my number one top of the list Mm -hmm. Um, there's lots of services that allow you to skip trace those phone numbers Mm-hmm. So the county is not going to give you the phone number to them, mm-hmm. but you can go to like REI skip 
and set up a service there. And that's R-E-I-S-K-I-P.com. Mm-hmm. You can set up a service there. Um, it's 15 cents to skip trace the phone number. Mm-hmm. So you can skip trace the phone number. It usually gives you some of the aunts, uncles, cousins, maybe, you know, any other people. Right. It'll usually give you a few numbers that are attached to that um, owner's name. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can look at them there. The um, second way would be if your credit and all is great, um, utilize your credit. Buy a duplex mm-hmm. apartment. Live in one side, rent out the other. Mm-hmm. Or stay home living with mom and dad. Buy a duplex, rent both sides out. Mm-hmm. That allow you to start building capital on your property. Um, if you're able to get um, a probate case house mm-hmm. or anything along those lines, you can rehab it, rent it out, mm-hmm. and make a substantial income that way. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And not- <laughs> once you do it once or twice, you're going to want to keep doing it right. um, once or twice so that's those are the ones um to give a extra one would be rents um so that's real estate investment trust mm-hmm. uh, that's where you're actually investing with a group or a pool of people mm-hmm. um, i think that one's a good one but there's caveats to that one too you just want to make sure you're doing your research as far as who you're investing with mm-hmm. um and, you know, guard your investment. It is an investment, so you still want yeah. to, you know, manage your risk. Mm-hmm. On mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, so I, I do have a question about the writ. Like, is it, because I, I, I'm thinking about Robinhood, right? Mm-hmm. And there are writs that you can go in there and invest in. So is that different from a group of people getting together as an investment group and investing in real estate? Or is it the same thing? It's the same thing. One is public and one is private. Okay. So when you're doing it through Robinhood, you're looking at your public ones. And those are ones that are on your stock market trades, you know, that you invest in as a market wise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still REITs, real estate investment trusts. They're the same thing. Um, your returns are a little more manageable there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of control what you get on those. Mm-hmm. Um, for the private ones, it's usually groups. Um, I, I call them social reps. That's what we've always called them in the office of social reps because it's usually going to be like you or I starting mm-hmm. it and we go and get 50 of our friends to come into it or 50 investors or we'll go out to a um, those websites where you can post them out there and get people to come in to invest in, into those companies. So that's usually going to be the way that those are, are managed for that. But they're the same thing. Okay. Same thing. And only thing a red is is where they go find properties. Um, they may say we always call them funds. Mm-hmm. So it's fund investment. You saw I have two different companies. One of those is a fund investment, but mine's private. We just do it for my own protection. So I put any of the investment properties that we purchase, we put them inside of that fund, and those are managed under that fund. Okay. And then you have your other account, which kind of spearheads as the funding for those other. Got you. So for the situations where people go in a group, because you mentioned you want to guard your money and make sure that you're, uh, you know, being diligent about that. What are some points or or perhaps terms people should be thinking about if they're thinking about going into a group situation? Well, you're going to want to look at um, what their terms are. Um, okay. Some They can vary because mm-hmm. it's private. So mm-hmm. not a stipulation as far as whatever the SEC is going to allow them to do. Right. governing on that funding so they can go way out 
there. Some of them, we always did ours on five-year terms, and that allowed us time to purchase the property, rent it out for five years, mm -hmm. re um, evict the tenants, you know, about three three months before that term is up, mm -hmm. which allowed time to go and fix it back up and put it on the market to sell. Gotcha. We price them so that we know that they would sell within that three month time frame. So we give ourselves ninety days to get the markets to get the home sold mm -hmm. on the market, and we've made our money for that five years. Mm -hmm. so nice. We rent them for cheap. If our mortgage was seven hundred dollars, nine times out of ten we rented it out for fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars a month. So we made our money, you know, initially on the front end of it. Mm -hmm. So when it comes time to sell it, that's when the investors would get their dividends. Um, most of the time we do the K-1s each year mm -hmm. um, and they would get a dividend cut from what we got out of there. But we as investors would be on that cut as well. Okay. Um, the terms on there are favorable to the owners. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. Um, it's a business. So they're going to be more favorable to the owners. The investors are definitely going to be able to get their cuts and it's going to be favorable to them too, but not to the stance of what the owners mm -hmm. are going to get. So mm -hmm. a lot of them, um, you know, research who the owners are. Right. Of right. those funds, uh, research where the funds, where the money that comes in, where does it go? Why are we paying $17,000 electric bill each month? Um, Cause they usually publicize all of that information. Mm -hmm. Um, why is there a bill that we're, I mean, a, um, an invoice for 20 houses when you told me there's only 10 that are in this fund? Right. So why are we paying mortgages for 20 properties? Mm. You know, stuff like that. They give you the, the details of the funds when you, you know, do the interest meetings or anything like that. Look through, look them through, find them out. If you're not familiar with it, ask questions. Mm -hmm. ask questions hey i don't know what i'm looking at you all invited me here please explain to me what this is and allow me an opportunity to go back and research this a lot of them will do at their interest meeting hey you have to sign up today this deal is only good today right and if you get that then it's not something that you probably want to invest in because yeah. they would give you a time you know to allow unless you miss like 20 interest meetings there's usually you know, a substantial amount of time before they close the fund mm -hmm. um, to any new people. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you definitely want to ask those questions. And for those who aren't familiar, you mentioned, um, what is a K-1? K-1 is like during the tax time, okay. you get your K-1 statement, um, and it just identifies how much of dividend from that particular fund you received. Okay. So it's a tax document that the the interest group or the fund group will give you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so... And when you're talking about it, like, of course, I'm thinking like contracts, contracts. If this interest group doesn't have those documentations, is that a sign to run? Oh, yeah. Run really fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> run really yeah. fast because they are, well, depending on the amount of money that they do, they are regulated by the SEC. Okay. Now, there can be some that don't have to be regulated and they do lower amounts. Um, on theirs and they don't do maybe as many properties in it. And I'm not saying don't get with those because you got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. and sometimes when you get in on those companies at the ground level, you, you're, you're able to, you know, win big right. on there. But I'm just saying be careful. Mm -hmm. Be careful when you when you get into the reds. I don't do reds. <laughs> Retrace. I have not done a ret. Um, I, I'll never say that I won't do one. 
because I think they do, you know, they hold their weight as far as the investment is. Mm -hmm. But I would just be leery. It seems like every time I get ready to get in one, I hear something or, you know, something else about something or somebody. So right. I get a little, get a little leery there. So mm -hmm. I'd rather play the stock market. <laughs> Got you. And so one of the biggest things that are roadblocks for people in terms of getting involved mm -hmm. is funding. So we're, you know, when people are thinking about how do I get started, I want to do this and I, you know, maybe they have a home and want a rental income or, or what have you. Like, what is your advice for where people can get that funding or how they can get started? My first thing would say to that is your mindset. You have to go in it with a mindset that you can do it. You can find it. This is what you're supposed to do. This is your God-given desire, dream, focus to get it done. And I say that because you can talk yourself out yeah. of many, many, many blessings. You come in contact with people and you're standing in front of somebody. You don't know that they have money, mm. but they have the money that you need. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that from my own personal experience, but there's um, hard money lenders out there um, that are reputable company. My very first property I did was a hard money lender um, and they gave me the money. I took the training. I took a program through them and I'm not going to say I wouldn't advise them. They have higher interest rates, mm -hmm. but I knew what I was doing. I was doing it for six years for someone else and I was taking them checks for 120,000 while I was getting a $20,000 check. Mm -hmm. And my sister would tell me every single time, Kimberly, why are you doing this for them? You keep doing this. I mean, he would not see anything, literally mm -hmm. numbers over the phone. Hey, such and such, I found this house. It's over here. It's not on a railroad track. It's not near school. Um, it's not on the backside of the school. You know, all of his criteria, it would meet. Right. He's like, how much is it? And I would have his checkbook, literally have his checkbook, have authorization to sign for it. And he'd be like, buy it. And then he calls that, go ahead in it and design it, rehab it and fix it up. I mean, I did everything. The man never saw the property, <laughs> never, never wow. saw the property. Wow. And my sister was like, you keep doing this. You can be doing this for yourself. For yourself. But yeah. I would literally go sell the house. Get him one hundred and twenty-six thousand. He paid me my little twenty thousand dollars. I'm like, mm -hmm. really? I need to go and do this, but you have to. I didn't think I could do it. Right. Honestly, yeah. I, I did not think I could do it to that extent. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. This might be my limit. Mm -hmm. You know, here I might need to be comfortable right here. Mm -hmm. But um, literally, God put me in contact with this man, mm -hmm. um, and I didn't know he had money. He just saw what I was doing. He saw a house that I was designing two houses down from him. He saw that I came there every day. He saw me fussing with contractors every day. And he came to me. He said, I want you to invest some of my money. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do with your money? He's like, no, I want you to do the same thing you're doing with your houses. He didn't know they wasn't my houses. Right, he right. thought I was coming there every day. Right. I was like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. And I, was, I honestly shunned it. We'll talk about it. But when we met and talked, he was like, it's like, how about I just give you the money? You go and do it, and then you just pay me interest on it. Mm. I mean, it literally changed from him wanting me to do it for him to him giving me the money to invest. And I've been riding that win ever since <laughs> <laughs> with him. <laughs> um, but it is. That's, that's really how it started. But you can go to 
hard money lenders. Is that um, like a bank? Are you saying or okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, they're private owned institutions. Sometimes hard money lenders can be a private owned person. Okay. A person, um, you can they can get money from their four hundred one k. That's excuse me, their IRA, not four hundred one k. IRA investing is huge right now. Mm. Um, so they pull the money out of the IRA and they can invest those into real estate without paying the fees mm-hmm. on the side of doing the uh, withdrawal from the IRA. So that's mm-hmm. a huge one. Um, a lot of people do that. But it's really letting people know what you do. <clears throat> Talking. Letting people know what you're doing, what you're looking for, saying it. Um, there's so many websites. There's so many Facebook groups. Again, if you go out to any of those, just make sure, make sure, make sure you um, are diligent in researching who you are getting with. Mm-hmm. Find out, you know, some other people that they've done funding with. Mm-hmm. Find other companies um, that they've done funding with or other people that they've funded, you know, for. But um, the biggest thing, as a man thinketh, so is he. Mm-hmm. He has to have it in his head that he can do it. You know, I can find it. Today is my day. I'm going to touch 10 people mm-hmm. and find out what what they're going to do. What are they doing? What are their goals? What are their dreams? And you might not get anybody out of those 10 people, but you did it. Mm-hmm. You did it 10 people. And so you keep doing that mm-hmm. and be consistent. I have a phone. Well, it's on the back of the desk there. And it's not plugged in, but I just use it as a reminder. You need to be on this phone. Mm-hmm. You need to be making connections. You need to be talking to people. And I'm not like the most bubbly person when it comes to stuff like that. So I have to remind myself on a consistent basis and, and they might have to do the same, but mm-hmm. you can. And I know if I need to, find somebody, I can get on the phone and call. Mm-hmm. So you have to get on the phone and call, but looking for companies, doing traditional mortgages, find some um, lenders, regular lenders, just talk to regular broker companies. And some of them are called mortgage brokers. Mm-hmm. Some of them are called lender. Brokers mm-hmm. have a little more access to people. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have private lenders in their pool of clients that they use, um, find a couple of mortgage brokers. I have some, like I said, on speed dial that I'm able to contact, Hey, who do you know that can, I can get $70,000 from, you know, tomorrow I found a prop- property. I need to get it fixed. It'll take me seven weeks to get it done. Who do you know where I can get that funding from? And so you call them, you know, and they might say, Hey, can we have, we've done deals before. I've seen you do these deals, mm-hmm. you know, before start surrounding yourself around those type of people mm-hmm. that do that. Um, the real estate associations, that's a huge place to go to get um, funding. Um, mm-hmm. There, I said the real estate association, no, the real estate <laughs> investment clubs. Okay. <laughs> real estate investment clubs. The association um, will be like, nah, you don't come here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they will tell you that in a minute. Are you a realtor? <laughs> yeah, not for you. <laughs> the real estate investment clubs, and usually every city has. Um, one or two little clubs. They may be small little meetup groups or something along mm-hmm. those lines, but they'll have something there that you can you can go and start getting asset, access to and meeting people mm-hmm. that will allow you to do that. And you were mentioning if you have like um, good credit or better credit, you can leverage your credit. How would you do that? Yeah, you, you can leverage your credit by buying a property. Um, using that, some properties you can buy them, put a little money into it, get it uh, re- reappraised, on it and take that equity out on there or if you're already living in a property and you've been in it for maybe two to three years well right now you've been in about three to four years then you can maybe use your um equity get a home equity line of credit 
on that where you're able to pull that extra money out to do an investment into a property. Now, if you have some cash saved up, don't have great credit, they have asset asset bank um, loans. Okay. So the your loan is based off of your the value of the asset that you have. Mm -hmm. So I have like two free free and clear properties. So if I need to get a funding, I can take those properties, go to the bank and say, hey, I have these two houses over here. I want to get a loan on those. Mm -hmm. And so they would take that money, put a loan on that house and give me the cash. Mm -hmm. So I can take that cash and then go put it into another property. Mm -hmm. And then you can keep the cycle, you know, going again, just make sure you pay off that first one, right. you know, and then just keep, keep going. Mm -hmm. If not, they'll be picking up your house. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it just gives me such pause like I know that that's kind of the process you know um because I've even thought about well I have taken out a HELOC but it just sits there because I'm just like if I use it then I'm I'm have, making payments on my house again they can take my house away and yep <sighs> I don't know. It's I just think so it's something, though, it's the psychology behind, though, like debt. For some mm -hmm. people, it does something psychologically to say they're debt-free. Mm -hmm. But a it lot does. of times with people, with real estate, you do have debt. I mm -hmm. mean, it's it's debt that's paying you, mm -hmm. but it is debt. debt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think some of it is that, is getting in that, in that position. Because I think people have similar feelings when you buy your first home. It's like, oh, my God, if somebody could take my house if I lost my job. But it's like mm -hmm. you paid rent. It's the same thing. You just is yours. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think it's the it's definitely a, a psychology behind it. It definitely know. is. I um I did the Dave Ramsey. I teach the Dave Ramsey thing. So I'm one of those people. Mm -hmm. When I pay the card off, I'm mm -hmm. like, heck, no, we are done with that card. <laughs> There's nothing else we need to get <laughs> on that card. I do a stock market. They're like, use the card, the money off your card, and I'm like, mm hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it makes sense, but no, that don't make sense. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I am definitely one of those people like, yeah, no, I don't think. And I definitely get it with certain things, like things that don't appreciate, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, you cannot convince me to get a new car. I just, I'm not. Yeah. I'm riding her to about four hundred thousand miles if I can. I just, <laughs> yeah. I can't. Like it doesn't make I'm sense to me. But yeah. you know, to the same thought, I'm like, mm, somebody won't give me how much have to go in and do something so <laughs> and one of the things i learned like you were saying like with the refinancing and especially now with the rates being so low um you know you have the conventional loan versus the fha and one of the yeah. things that i didn't know is that when you refinance like if you i guess if you did it under an fha mm -hmm. which is um i think you don't have to put as much money down mm -hmm. when you refinance that fha is now available again and so yep. I just wanted you as a as an expert to kind of break down like what is like a conventional versus an FHA and some of those advantages. Okay, so on your FHA loan, that's going to be a three and a half percent down down payment on yeah. your house. If you buy a house for hundred thousand dollars, you're going to pay three and a half percent down, mm -hmm. um, and that has to be cash paid at time of closing. Mm -hmm. um, your conventional loan is usually going to be your twenty percent. Um, down, but on the conventional, you don't have what they call PMI, so property mortgage insurance. You don't have that, which is huge. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that can be a 20% difference mm -hmm. in your monthly mortgage payment. So that can be huge um, if you're paying, you know, a monthly mortgage. But that 20%, you'll pay that until you have paid down your mortgage enough. And that's usually about a 20% level. 
um, before they will allow you to have the PMI removed. Mm -hmm. Some companies, mortgage companies, they'll make you refinance the house to have it removed. Some of them will just make it fall off mm -hmm. of your loan. So that's a question you definitely want to ask your lender or mortgage broker at the time you're doing that mortgage. But um, if you can get in with an FHA, um, my first house was an FHA loan. I had to do three and a half percent down. Mm -hmm. um, and I was not selling for any house that the seller did not pay my closing. Mm -hmm. So went to house, I made a deal. They said, no, they're not paying my closing. I said, okay, then we're going to go find another house. Right. So, and you have to have that mindset. You can't fall in love with the asset mm -hmm. you know, without having the mindset that you still need to cover your pocket right. when you're doing an investment. Mm -hmm. So can't can't be like oh my god this is a beautiful house i love it you're not gonna live there you're buying this for an investment you know <laughs> go on just go on with it my sister tells me all the time when i decorate them she's like you're decorating this like you're gonna live here i'm like no but someone like me is gonna be living here right. i'm telling you it's gonna be cute <laughs> yeah, right. yeah it has to be cute <laughs> but i do i do spend a little bit extra money you know and decorating and stuff like that and we do our airbnbs you want to decorate those mm -hmm. nice people are going to be coming in and then they're going to come back and come back and come back mm -hmm. again. So um, when you're doing them, you want that loan um, yeah. to be, you know, leveraged mm -hmm. properly so that you're able to um, move right. to the next property. Mm -hmm. On the, if you're looking at it from an investment standpoint, if you're looking at it to live in, then, you know, you may have a little more, you know, flexibility in those, um, in those numbers right. that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. at I, even with my clients, my seller clients, buyers or sellers, um, I'm like, no, we're going to find something that the seller is going to pay or we're going to figure it out to negotiate it, you know, around. But right. you just want to be, be mindful of those two programs there and find out what else your state offers. Hmm. A lot of states offer a lot of programs mm -hmm. for funding on buying properties. It doesn't matter if you're doing it as an investment property. Still find out what they offer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can finagle those programs, and I'm not saying anything illegal. Yeah. You can finagle those programs to fit and benefit you. Mm -hmm. Some of the programs you have to spend a night in the house. Right. Um, Atlanta has all kinds of programs here. It's like every single organization has a housing program. Mm -hmm. So I mean, some of them are private, some of them are public, some government. You know, so you just find out what's there, and you can find those out usually by your local realtors. Um, or again, the associations um, check with their county office, you know, as to what other funding programs are available. Those are the two main proper, um, public ones, the FHA and the conventional loans, but there's tons of other ones out. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you were talking about like uh, Airbnb and like mm -hmm. decorating and making sure that your loan is sufficient, I guess, to maybe co cover the furniture and the fixtures and everything that you have to do um, to flip those. I started hearing contractors, right? Because I don't know how to, well, you know, I know how to tear down a wall, but a lot of people don't know how to tear down walls and put in windows and right, right, replace floors and stuff. So then you start getting into contractors. So my question is twofold. One, for the first time investor, do you recommend getting that house that you have to gut? And do you recommend getting a house that, you know, they might hear, oh, Airbnb near the beach. Right. Let me go gut that. But you don't have the contractors in place, right? Because you've been in this business long enough that you've built relationships. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so for a person that's starting to look for, a con you know, the contractors, the construction workers, like, what are your recommendations for that? 
do not break down the walls. <laughs> do a cosmetic flip, do a cosmetic rehab, do a cosmetic Airbnb, do a cosmetic cosmetic. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, uh, I probably have contracts of stories that would be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but dealing with contractors is not easy. They are nine times out of 10 independent contractors for the average fixer flipper real estate investor. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get to another level, then you're able to, you know, get those companies that come in mm-hmm. and you just assign all your properties to that company. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you're going to have, you know, here and there, John, Paul, Ruth, you know, um, SA and all those. Right. So you have to have a contract for your contractor, for one, and you're going to have to be on their tail. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have some backbone to you where you don't mind talking and standing up for your property. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes they'll come in there. I pulled into the yard and I see six guys smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Am I paying for y'all to smoke cigarettes? Okay. I don't think so. So there's a wall that needs to be painted. Mm-hmm. There's a floor that needs to be scrubbed. There's a fireplace that needs to be redone. I'm here. Let's get to work. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be able to mm-hmm, have some mm behind your stuff right, right. when it comes there. I'm, I don't want to say I sometimes go straight off um, and then they're like, <laughs> oh, okay. Right, and I'm like, right. I promise you won't get your check until this is done. So, um, and then sometimes depending on what type of loan you have, you have to have a different relationship with your contractors because they're not getting paid until the bank approves their work. Mm-hmm. And if the bank doesn't approve it, that draw is not coming out. Mm-hmm. And I ask contractors at the beginning, if I have, if I know I have that type of loan, mm-hmm. hey, are you willing to work with banks on draws? Right. And I'll kind of give you an idea too of their um, work ethics. Right. Usually they know if that bank has to come out here and approve this job, you're gonna have those straight corners you're going to have nice painted lines. You're going to have the nails tucked in the right place. I mean, you're going to have the doorknobs put on properly because the bank will come in. That investor um, inspector will come in and say, no, this door needs to be redone. The jams on the door are off. The trim is off. You know, this floor here is buckling over here. What's wrong with that subfloor over there? That nail is coming out on the side. I mean, sometimes they nitpick like that. Mm-hmm. So it depends on, you know, sometimes what type of loan you have. The contractors are a handful. Um, some of them, I've probably ran some away and some of them just didn't show up anymore. I've collected tools. Um, you, you're going to leave my site. Uh, well, you know what? Anyway. Collected yeah. the walls so, up in here. <laughs> this is on YouTube. I'm going to wait. <laughs> but <laughs> there is, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, stand up for your property. Right. Too. Yeah. Um, and, and be assertive when it comes to, you know, to your investment. Again, it's an investment. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You're paying a bill on that mortgage. Right. While they're sitting there smoking cigarettes or drinking a drink or, you know, right. you got to give them lunch, but eating a pizza at four o'clock in the afternoon. Really? No. Okay. It's <laughs> and it's all supposed to be sage and we sitting here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I will. I will bring my laptop and irk the heck out of it. I got Wi-Fi and I can sit right here on this floor. And do my work. And supervise. So, I've got time. I'm going to do mine. Yeah, you know? she does. 
so one of the things you it just brought me to when you're saying like cosmetic especially for beginners one of the things like you know if you already have a home people can airbnb right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i know like if that's your home one of the things that's kind of giving me pause is like okay well it's one thing when the people airbnb they don't live there but when you Mm -hmm. live there and somebody's coming in your space what are some of the things people can maybe do to kind of like safeguard and still I have this one property and I'm not there yet because we're speaking into existence, right? Right. For now, I'm Airbnb and where I live. What are some Mm -hmm. of the things people can do or, you know, keep it? Yeah, I think you have to have that personality, one, Mm. to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have that personality. (laughs) But um, (laughs) two things you can do if you're remodeling it, you can make it where there's a separate access. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have done that, especially if they have basements. Mm-hmm. So they'll turn their downstairs into their Airbnb portion mm-hmm. and it, uh, create an access door where the person can come from outside. Mm-hmm. So I've actually stayed at one like that where you come from around the side of the house and then there's an access door at the back mm-hmm. where you're, you're, the basement is yours. So there's a kitchen, bathroom, two bedrooms right. you know, in the basement. Mm-hmm. And then they have an actual outside door that's exiting up the stairs to the house. Right, but it's an actual door where they can't get into that mm-hmm. door as well. It's just like you know a, a ex- exterior door. That's gotcha, something gotcha. Mm-hmm. that's blocking for the basement. So that's one thing. Um, when it comes to that, that would be the only thing that I can think of because that mm-hmm. would not be anything I would ever do. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see it. I know people don't mind it. Yeah, but yeah. I, what is it? I don't. They're like shared space or mm-hmm. something. It's like, oh, yeah. And the one time we stayed at a house that was owned, it was still, I always get them that they're, um, I have the whole house mm-hmm. to myself, but it was just that basement part yeah. that was accessible to it. And the people lived upstairs, mm-hmm. but they wasn't at home with it, that they, that gotcha. we ended up with there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be the biggest thing there. Any Airbnbs that we do would be completely accessible, entire house. Yeah. Gotcha. Thing there. But I have seen them. Uh, we actually did a project in Lake Hartwell in um, South Carolina, where we built a um, uh, three-tier high-rise, mm-hmm. and we Airbnb the four corners were all three-bedroom mm-hmm. access units, but all of them could be cut off. So you can either, you know, put in, you can call downstairs and tell them you want to rent a uh, one-bedroom, two-bedroom, or three-bedroom, mm-hmm. and we could change that one unit to any of those. So oh, either wow. one bedroom, two, or three bedrooms. But you just have to lay it out, you know, design the floor plan mm-hmm. to be like that. That's yeah, it's right on Lake Hartwell. Beautiful. Mm, so, yeah. I didn't build it. I was just over the project, so it wasn't mine. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Let me rephrase that. Right. Not my power. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. So what ways have you seen COVID impacting the real estate market? Mm. It definitely impacted it. Um, I, For me personally, um, we haven't done a transaction in, what, four or five months? Um, once I, I got sick, so I was like, mm, yeah, we're good. I'm going to, you know, lay low yeah. for a little bit. Um, it's a seller's market for sure. Um, the biggest impact is getting the properties sold for the amount that you want, mm. getting properties purchased for the amount that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, the prices are elevated, um, ridiculously, ridiculously. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's doesn't make sense. Net worth looking and real nice right now. If people knew anything about the real estate market, just like the start market, it is going to correct itself. Right. So it's coming back down. So in my opinion, mm-hmm. and I know this is not everyone else's opinion, I would not be buying 
a, per, a bunch of properties right now, unless it's a direct sale. So if I could go to the owner mm-hmm. and, you know, make a deal directly with the owner, then I would be doing something. Um, we, we don't usually buy houses off the market anyway. Most of ours are direct owner sales. Um, I love making a deal, creating a deal. I think that's the high for me mm-hmm. is actually getting a deal created. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, I can negotiate with them or figure out a way to get this house dirt cheap. I am like in hog heaven. So that's, that's like, you know, the exciting part for me. But I think COVID has drastically yeah. affected mm-hmm. this market, affected the real estate industry. Um, when, when COVID first hit, and I'll never forget this, March 13th, mm-hmm. my investor called me. He's like, Kim, I'm going to stop doing uh, properties right now. I'm just going to, you know, lay low for a little bit and see what goes on. He has not started back yet. Yeah. So, and this was March of last year that he he stopped and we're just sitting on properties. He has tenants that aren't paying at their rent. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, he's built it up that long that he's able to, you mm-hmm. know, still sustain it. Right. But he's like, no, we're gonna we're gonna wait and see, right. you know, how this correct. So this is definitely gonna correct itself. And I was around in 2008, the last time the market corrected itself, and I I, I totally see all of those signs, you know, mm-hmm. coming back. So I'm personally preparing for the correction. Right, um, right. For me, because um, I think that's going to be a lucrative time and an opportunity for a lot of investors to really get in the market. I might have a couple investors that are just sitting on properties right now that aren't even finished. Mm-hmm. Me included. I have one in Spartanburg that's not finished right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's definitely going to correct itself, and I think it's it's impacted it majorly. <clears throat> and you can start seeing even Bloomberg, the conversations start tearing to that. Yeah. Um, to the real estate conversation. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking for that. Mm-hmm. going to be interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Well, like you have shared a wealth of knowledge here. I know you're very passionate and you know said it was part of your legacy to be able to leave knowledge and instruction oh, yeah. into that vein. You have now added author to your many talents. <laughs> yes, right? Can you tell us about your book? <laughs> Well, we wrote a book for sure. It's um, <laughs> it's a small book that we talk about for newbie investors, um, understanding the real estate market, understanding real estate investing. Um, my passion, as you stated, is definitely to um, give knowledge and um, not to knock anything else, but I really want to impact our African-American community. Um, that's not really the community that I've been in yeah. or been around. Um, most of my meetings, I'll be honest with you, are, are filled with, you know, um, Caucasian Americans and people that want, you know, to really see themselves grow because they're in that knowledge base and they right. know that that's what's beneficial. So my book started out as being a uh, class mm-hmm. that I taught um, and just honestly teaching it and one of the ladies in the class for probably six years was like, Miss Kim, when, when are you going to finish that book? When are you going to do that book? Because I know that was a book you were teaching. She's like, so you got to come back and, you know, teach again. Mm-hmm. And I love, as you can tell, I love talking about real estate. I can talk about it for hours on end. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, understanding the primary principles of real estate investment is a book for newbie investors um, that want to see or people that think they're interested in investing to see and gain the knowledge to see if they really want to get into this industry. It's um, It can be lucrative. It's mm-hmm. just like playing the stock market. It can be very lucrative, 
but you can lose your in a minute. So mm-hmm. that's one thing I want to make sure, you know, that the knowledge is out there for our, um, for our people, for those yeah. that are interested in learning um, real estate. So that's where it came from. That's how it started. It was um, a, a labor of love initially because I had the worst time with publishing. Mm. <laughs> the publishing of this book, but got it done. We got it done. And it's been very successful, way more successful than I honestly saw and even envisioned. Um, so it's it's available. You're welcome, welcome, you know, to, to purchase it. I love to um, actually give you all a couple of books that you all can give away to your listeners. Um, however you all see fit. So let us let us know if you if you, if you find anyone or whoever you want to give them to, I'll give two of them away for you all. But yeah, that's my that would be awesome i i have a copy of that book and it has been awesome reading it and i'm just soaking up the energy so yeah we will definitely put the information of how you can purchase her book um in our show notes and if you're following it on youtube it'll be down below um in our details and also in how can they contact you um easiest way is through my website kimberlyladors.com um, you can go there and do a contact me. Um, we have a, right now we're doing our sessions. Um, I have my notes over here that my assistant wrote for me, but we're doing our sessions on there for, um, you can go into the work with me section and schedule a 30 minute consultation. And we'll talk about real estate and see which direction or how we can help you, um, guide you in the right direction from there. We do courses, we have classes, we do online teaching um, webinars, all that. So you can access it at KimberlyLadors.com. That is awesome. Thank you so much for that. And for our D&D listeners, if you are not on our mailing list, you can go to our website, www.divasandducats.com and to take up on Kimberly's offer, the first five people that sign up on that offer, we will make sure that you get a hand in that book. Not saying she's giving away five, but whatever she gives away, then we will also make sure that the first five listeners get a free copy of her book. So we appreciate that so much. Awesome. Amazing. All right. And listeners, we do not have time for a Diva, Dear Diva segment, but you can email us at divaadvice at gmail.com. Your question may be heard on an episode. Um, In the meantime, you can look at our website as quick discussed, www.divasandducats.com. We are our Instagram and Facebook under our same name, Divas and Ducats. (laughs) Um, Subscribe, as we tell you. Like, subscribe, subscribe. below. And uh, we will see you next time. Make sure you listen to us on moneytalk1310.com, the third Thursday of the month. We're so excited. This summer from 5 to 6 p.m. Congratulations. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Is there anything else for you? No, all hearts, your minds are clear. And so, D&D fam, have a great attitude. All right, bye. Bye.